The Canadian Football Perspective podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. For 15% off all of your return-to-play whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and enter the promo code CFP15. Hello and welcome to the A Block as always. Happy training camp week number two. That's right, one week down in training camps and lots of news and information being thrown around. I hope you're having as much fun as I am right now trying to keep track of all of this stuff because there is too much all of a sudden to try and keep track of, but it is certainly something that we have all missed. And today I got a chance to catch up with somebody who knows how the game is played. Yes, the game of football, but also the game of covering the game of football. He is Danny Austin, Calgary Sun and Herald. I got to know Danny a little bit when I was in my travels covering the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I'd run into him, would read some of his articles, and you start to get a sense when you go around the country and you cover nationally, who really knows their franchise, who really knows their market. And Danny always jumped out to me as somebody who really understood the Calgary Stampeders organization. You can tell when you hear him interview the players or the coaches, how much they respect him. And you can also tell how much he loves doing his job. His enthusiasm for a newspaper guy is kind of rare. Let's be honest, a lot of newspaper guys, eh, maybe a little bit uh, rough around the edges. And yes, Danny can ask the tough questions and be extremely honest, which is another one of his attributes. But really, he does give it his all. And I love watching him work. One day we had him in studio in Hamilton when Calgary was coming into town to play against the Ticats. And he just blew Kyle Mello and my face off with the amount of information that he had on not just the Stamps, but around the league and how interested he was in talking to us about everything happening in Hamilton. He wanted it. He just, he loves information. He loves being able to tell stories. And I think he is one of, if not the best at what he does in the country. Very happy to have Danny Austin for you here on the podcast today. Just before we get there, reminder, we could not be doing these podcasts without the support of our sponsors and Salt City Brewing Company is a big part of that. They get brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. You can visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com, shop their wide variety of brews to learn more. And of course, you can use the promo code CFL, get yourself free shipping on your first order over $100, available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. Danny Austin, it's legal drinking age. There he is. Well, you look great. Uh, let me just say that first and foremost. I, I appreciate it. I hope that you are enjoying uh, camp. I know it's a long camp, and I'm wondering first and foremost, what are your thoughts on the longer camp? Because I know for guys like you that I know I used to do this when I was working in radio, where I would be there every day grinding it out and giving camp reports. You, you, to me, you are one of the quintessential reads in CFL media coverage because I love the fact that you can give raw honesty, but you also give the stamps angle on things and you help educate people like me who want an all-encompassing view of the CFL while also giving us information specifically on a team that regardless of what team you are a fan of, for some reason, people love to read stamp stuff. And I honestly think that has a lot to do with you. So I know it's a lot to start off with, but what are, what are your thoughts on the long camp and just the fact that there's a lot for guys like you that cover the league for teams and league wide to accomplish in the, in the month of July? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, I do try, so I <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge and an opportunity, which I know that's like almost a, a football player um, cliche. But the truth is, there's so many players right now, right? So yeah. um, with the Stampeders specifically, one of the challenges is 
with the exception of two or three positions, we know who the starters are. Um, There's not a ton of of veteran depth. And by not a ton, I mean, there's really not is is the reality. So, um, you know, receiver, DBs, there's good players. This team, if they stay healthy, they, they can and should beat just about anybody in the league. But um, it's, it's, it's trying to find that, you know, rookie receiver out of, you know, especially when it's like, when it's Calgary, it tends to be some school you've never heard of. Um, <laughs> and, and just, you know, trying to find those stories. And that is, to be honest, like, I, I think that there are two parts of the job is, you know, but particularly as a beat reporter and the honest answer is we don't have a ton of coverage outside of sort of myself, a guy named Matt Rose who works with Sportsnet radio and then Mark Steven, of course. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do kind of have to take on that authoritative voice covering them. Um, and, and right now, um, yeah, it's I, the long camp. I wish we had games. It would make evaluations a lot easier. That would definitely direct my coverage a little bit. So you're relying on what coaches are telling you, but, um, I don't know. It's a lot of opportunities to write a lot of stories. Uh, and we, I haven't had that opportunity, so I'm loving it. Yeah, for sure. And I get that sense as well, because you've, I've read everything basically that you've written since the start of camp and it, there's a lot of, well, let me focus in on this positional battle, or let me look at, uh, you know, what's happening on the offensive line, the perception of it, or let me look at boundary corner, or let me look at some of the global guys. And I know that you've probably got 10 stories that are still sitting in the chamber there where you're going, okay, I'm going to roll these out throughout training camp as we go. Cause you're starting to get a sense for what this stamps team looks like. And I, I want to ask you about where you think their ceiling is and where their basement is, because I know from talking to Derek Taylor, he's going, well, man, like I'm looking at Calgary and I'm saying, I just, I don't know if they can protect Bo as well as they need to. I don't know if they're going to get the, the amount of production from the receivers as they need to. I don't know if they're going to get the amount of turnovers that they need to because of the changeover in the defensive back, like he's, and DT has talked to me about this in a really honest way where he said, I don't dislike Calgary. I'm just looking at the facts and I'm trying to parse out, okay, if Edmonton actually gets better, if Saskatchewan continues to improve, if BC somehow gets better than they were, like he's just trying to figure out in the West specifically where Calgary slots in. So where do you see that landing at this point? I mean, I think it's anywhere from finishing first in the West if they stay healthy. And I mean, when I say stay healthy, I'm not saying all year. I think traditionally, like when we look uh, the stampeders who I cover. So, you know, DeVaris Daniels really breaks in in week six or seven. You know, it's the Americans tend to take the first month of the season to really figure out the Canadian game, get the intricacies down, and then those first-year guys are always productive sort of in the back half. Um, without the preseason games, that may take a little bit longer, but they just need to stay healthy until some of these guys figure it out because there's – and, like, they are high on their rookie talent. Like, they are really – they really, really believe it. Um, I think the offensive line is an interesting question. And, like, to be clear, Derek's best in the business. I love that guy. He knows what he's talking about. Um, the big – I mean, they lost Shane Bergman, Derek Dennis, and then Neil Kazatati. That's three starters. So let's not downplay what that is. Can they protect both? Conversely, Ryan Sevier was really, really good in the second half last season, particularly when Bo came back. Yeah. He, like the O line struggled a little bit protecting Nick Arbuckle, but there's reasons for that. And I think part of the reason is Bo knows where to go behind the O line to make his throws a little bit better than than uh, Nick did. But um, you bring in Sean McEwen, that's an all star. Ryan Sevier is ready to go. Uh, and this is one of those things where being around the team, you don't understand how high they were on Leon Johnson in 2019. He didn't play a single game, but all you heard about was when Leon's ready and he had a little bit of an injury issue, they were like, this guy's going to be amazing. And then Ucombre Williams moved out from center to left tackle where they always thought he was going to be. There's really only one hole there. 
and they have Justin Lawrence, who's sort of been in the system for three years. And as you know, I mean, this is, it's always a story with football. It's like, you assume that the backup's not as good, but it's like, sometimes the backup's just backing up Shane Bergman and you're not going to get in when <laughs> Shane Bergman's healthy, right? So, um, so yeah, there's, that's the thing. I, I just, I think that this is a team and where the strength lies and why I do think that they can win the West is A, they have Bo and Bo, as long as you can keep him standing is going to win you games. Um, but B, like, they're not relying on rookies. They're relying on sort of second or third year guys who have been in the system, have been working in it and are now ready for their shot. So yeah, I look, I look around and I'm like, well, Edmonton, a lot of guys retired in the last month. I had Edmonton way higher a month ago than I do now. Saskatchewan, like you lost your starting middle linebacker. That's no small thing. And your quarterback's got to show it to me. Winnipeg, in my opinion, no question, best D line, best O line in the league. So Andrew Harris is also like 49 years old. Right now. Like <laughs> he's not that I, old. He's not that old. <laughs> but the history of of running backs in their mid 30s being able to maintain the level that he did is is it doesn't really happen. And what Zach Kolaros did in that Great Cup run was incredible. But like we all know, he's 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 got some injury history and could be one hit away from them having a guy who's thrown three CFL passes and has one completion as their starter. So for me, there are just as many questions everywhere else. And it's hard. I sound like a Homer, but like, I've also oh. just learned to trust Dickinson and Hoffnagel. And like, if they say these guys are ready, traditionally they're pretty ready. So um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think you sound like a Homer on that at all, because I actually, I tend to agree as somebody who covered Hamilton where I always felt like I came off as a Homer, but you know, the team better than people who aren't there every day. Right. And like you're talking about with some of the offensive line and I implore people to go check out the piece that Danny wrote about the fact that the offensive line is, yeah, they're young, but they're not inexperienced. Like they're guys who have been around, they've won stuff, they've done things, they've got game experience in different places, or they've played when they've needed to because of injury and Calgary and all the rest. But I look at it as being, you know, when you are around a team, you just understand better who some of the depth guys are. And, exactly. I, and, and I'm always intrigued by that because there's two things that I have always been amazed by in football analysis. And one of them you brought up, which is, well, he's the backup. He must not be as good. It's like, no, maybe he's the backup because the dude in front of him is a freak. <laughs> okay? and, exactly. that's, and, and the other thing that always kills me is the people who say, you know, they constantly move the goalposts on. Well, he's a backup. Okay, well, he got in as a starter. Okay, but he was only good for one year. So, yeah, but it's like you want him to have seven good seasons. He's only been able to have one because he's only played in one season. So we can't move the goalposts on the evaluation of guys and say, well, show it to me in the postseason. Well, maybe he's never played in the postseason. Like, let him get to exactly. the postseason, and then let's see how he plays. Well, I'm like, I'll use an example in Calgary. So, like, Mike Rose is the starting, like, he's he's interior defensive lineman was in Calgary for, I believe, two seasons on the practice roster, right? And, like, yeah. we just never saw him play. Well, he was backing up Michael Johnson. Like, Michael Johnson left, and, like, the Stamps made the right call. Michael Johnson's an amazing human being and an amazing football player, but they, they read his age, and they said Mike Rose is ready. Mike Rose came in, led all interior defensive linemen and tackles in 2019. The guy could always play, but you're not going to beat out 2018 Michael Johnson. You're just not. He was... He was just an, like an NFL player, basically dominating CFL offensive line. So, yeah, so I, I, I think that there's a lot of that with the stamps. And like, I just go up and down. And I just, I don't see the holes. I just see, it's like what you're saying. The fact that a guy hasn't proven it yet doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to prove it. And that's where I think 
other people that's what people are missing with the stampeders right now is like none of these are panic signings none of these none of the guys are, are people they had to bring in last minute all of this was part of the plan yeah. They traded away Eric Rogers because they liked what they had in their receiving core. That's the reality. That's what Huffnagel does. Yeah, that's wild because I know like being there in 2013, just as like an intern CIS rookie guy that I was looking around and being like, I don't know who any of these guys are. And then you realize after you're in camp, you look back three, four years like, oh my God, the amount of talent that was in that training camp, whether it was guys that played in Calgary or guys that left to go elsewhere, it was, it's pretty amazing how Huffnagel is able to identify those things. But uh, I want to ask you here, you talked a little bit about the offensive line and uh, obviously you get a chance to interview these guys. I actually love when either the stamps or the CFL just right now, because of the virtual world that we're still living in, that they just send out clips of you just, asking questions to guys <laughs> okay i think that, so i think that's the greatest thing though because they send out a clip and they're like hey uh like you know cfl reporter ends up asking questions of uh cfl football players about whether or not they knew the result of the euro 2020 and i'm like that's just danny like having a genuine like down-to-earth conversation with guys and it ends up getting spread across the internet but you get a chance to know these guys pretty personally you're around them obviously uh, I'm wondering because the linchpin right now of the offensive line, unquestionably after the three retirements that you talked about is Sean McEwen. Talk to me about Sean McEwen, the interview, like who is Sean McEwen when you get a chance to be able to pick his brain on things? Because as a player, I'm intrigued by the idea that we never really get to know the offensive lineman as much as I think the general fan should be able to, because they really are such a big part of the, of the team, especially in the CFL, especially the Canadian guys, but to be able to, no, without even questioning it, like DT and I are putting together on CFP here a couple of weeks ago, our all Canadian team. When we came to center, we both just went Sean McEwen and, and Derek's like, yeah. And we just moved on. Like it was, it, we didn't even have a conversation. There was no debate. It was, yeah, I mean, Dan Clark's, Dan Clark's nice. And Mike Filer's cool. And it, it was like, there's names out there, but no, Sean's the guy. And then we just moved on and people know how good Sean is, but I don't think people know a damn thing about Sean McEwen. So give us the insight on, who the hell is Sean McEwen? <laughs> well, I, I will say that now that he's in Calgary, where we potentially have, like, although we have a small media contingent, we still have media who cover it. People are going to get to know Sean McEwen better. Because, I mean, I think he may have been the biggest free agent signing of 2020, to be yeah. perfectly honest. I mean, like, um, he, and it's interesting, He's he clearly, talking to him, like, feels at home. He feels at home. He knows Ryan Sevier. McMahon is where he played his college football like this, he is a Calgary guy, and you can tell how much he's just kind of enjoying it. Um, offensive linemen are always so funny, and I'm sure you know this because, like, their job is so is to be like these big brutes, and then anytime you talk to them, they're just like normally very soft smoking, spoken, <laughs> yeah. really intelligent. And it's always um, the Calgary Dinos guys, I would say too, because I know from like Darius Sirocco and others that I've seen the Ticats organization that there's something about that Dinos team where they know they are part of a pipeline and they come out and you talk to them in the pros and you're like, wow, you guys are all the same. This is insane. Yeah, they, they kind of really are. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I am still getting to know him, but like my impression, what was interesting was that what you referred to about me asking them um, about sort of their perceived lack of, well, really age, but inexperience. And McEwen was immediately speaking on behalf of the O-line and defensive about it in a good way, like, as you'd expect, I'm not saying defensive in a, in the, in the bad way. Um, but like they take a lot, there's a lot of pride. And I do think it's, it's a little bit gotten to him that he joined this O-line 
and everyone's focused on the guys who left instead of the guys who are there. And he's like so hyping up the other guys and there, there's an excitement to him. And he's, he's just, yeah, he's, he seems really genuine and kind and looking out for the guys around him, which is what you want in a leader. And I, my impression is it did not, he doesn't have to prove himself to these guys. They know who he is. He gets to be a leader from day one. And that's, that's what they want out of him. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big role that they need filled, which I, I mean, if they hadn't have signed him in free agency and they still had the three retirements, you can imagine what that would end up looking like at this point. But uh, I'm wondering as well, and I'm not going to ask you the, the skip Bayless question of please rank your top five CFL linebackers. Uh, but if Jameer Thurman is the best linebacker in the CFL, if, if he is known about that uh, by that at the end of the year why why is Jameer Thurman the best linebacker in the Canadian Football League if he gets labeled that by the end of this season I mean I, I think from the physical attributes he moves for a big guy so fast his lateral movement's amazing and he also just has this ability like him and Singleton when you when I go back and watch games from that 2018 season it's like it's been a long pandemic, so I actually did. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, buddy. I've done this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the craziest thing about it is, I mean, don't get me wrong. Alex is the middle linebacker, but like they're almost switching who's middle, who's weak side. And they're both their ability to be like, okay, we're dropping back into coverage is just instantaneous. And it's this, it's this almost supernatural ability to read the field. And then Thurman, because he's so fast and just so big, like he does not miss tackles. And I like, honestly, like his, his arms, like you can't not comment on it when you look at him because he's just so jacked. It's like, it, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of it. And I also think that he is coming in and I've never, like Dave Dickinson literally said, I don't care if he plays middle or weak side, he's going to be great at it. We're good. They just need to figure out who his partner is and then they'll put him in, in whichever position. They, that's how much they believe in him. We all thought it was going to be Corey Greenwood. Um, it's not, I don't think. I think we, we can sort of well that it. was that was actually super interesting though in the preseason call though I thought Danny where you you said you know what are you looking at here and I think you asked Huffnagel a question that was somewhere around you know what are the positions that you think will have battles and and he kind of slipped in yeah Greenwood we'll see and you were like uh sorry and he, <laughs> you asked yeah. the follow-up and you're you basically said sorry did you say the middle linebacker and it felt like a Oh, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or if it was Huff just uh, like unintentionally letting it out, but he said something about middle linebacker and you realized it to your credit. Cause I didn't, I was sitting in the same call. I didn't realize that. And when you asked the follow-up, I went, wait a minute. Yeah. He did just say that middle linebacker might be a spot up for grabs. And I went, I didn't really see that one coming, but it's, it's almost one of those where you look at it and you say, okay, the equation might be veteran guy older canadian might be replaceable might be a high salary might have a you know a, a level of play that's dropping down a little bit and when i heard that and i started thinking about it, i went well where do they go from here so what have you seen so far that might be partnered up with jameer Thurm? yeah so it's i honestly when that when huffnagel said that i immediately went to like okay well they're going to want Greenwood around either way because he is so good when he's capable of playing. Um, so I figured that they would sort of look at a Canadian, Fraser Sopic being the most obvious candidate. Um, and I think Fraser Sopic's going to be a player in this league, whether it's this year or down the line. But like, I don't know that Fraser Sopic is ready to be a starter, a week in, week out starter yet. He, he's done nothing but impress me, but I genuinely don't know that. So um, I think they're going to go American. 
Uh, and I think right now the front runner at camp is a guy named Darnell Sankey. Um, I wish I had my notes in front of me. He's been an NFL guy. He's played um, another big body. Um, I don't, I honestly think that they would prefer Jameer stay at weak side. So I, I do think that they'll, they'll put Darnell at, at middle and then they're just going to have to have Americans there with, yeah. unless Greenwood gets back. But I have a lot of trouble. I mean, Greenwood missed basically from Labor Day until the West Division semifinal with stingers which like i don't know enough i'm not a doctor here but like if stingers are serious enough to keep you out for two weeks or for two months that's probably something you're going to want to have to going to have to monitor so i was surprised when they signed him like that huffnagel it's honestly it was one of the weirder moments of cfl's back because i also go back and like when they signed him i was surprised that they re-signed him because yeah. he had the industry but then you just like accept you're not going to be paying Corey greenwood but you're paying Corey greenwood if he's not your starter and now look, he's talked to us. He's is intending on coming back, but there's no indication that that's anytime close or anytime soon. So yeah, I think it'll probably be an American there next to Thurman uh, and Thurman just gives them the flexibility to change that up throughout the year. If they have to. The, uh, the weirdest moment for me, I think of CFL returning back to action in terms of transactions was all the veteran Canadians retiring. And then Matt O'Donnell signing back with Edmonton. I was like, Yo, what the hell is this guy doing? Everybody else is leaving. Like, what? He's coming. He's coming back. He's got. He's the, he's the only guy that's coming back in that spot. But um, I think the interesting thing about Corey Greenwood too at middle linebacker is that, to me, it's almost reminiscent of the LeBron conversation about the actual miles on his body because people will say, "Well, LeBron is a certain age," and you go, "Yeah, but do you realize that he has more minutes played in the NBA?" than most guys when they're 44, like at the very, like Andre Miller's of the world, the guys who last into their mid forties, it's like LeBron at 37 because he's played so much damn playoff basketball in his life is more than those guys. And I look at Corey Greenwood and I think, okay, so he's only got so much CFL life under his belt, but do you know the amount of hits that guy took in the NFL running down on kickoff coverage and punt coverage and blocking people on special? I'm like, there's no way that that body has the mileage that it suggests that it has. Yeah. And I, I think that that, you know, if you're trying to build a team that has to be a concern. Right. And I mean, look, I would have prior to the last NFL season said to you that I genuinely believe that the stamps were just trying to make do at linebacker until Alex Singleton was going to come back. I think we can all probably accept that Alex Singleton's not coming back anytime soon. So yeah. they're they're more looking at a long-term plan now, which I'm sure is part of it. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I think Alex might come back eventually. I think he loved playing up here and but it's not going to be anytime soon and he may just make enough money that it's not worth it. But um with Greenwood, yeah, I mean like those stingers, I mean, that can be related to spinal stuff. That can be related to all sorts of stuff. And like linebackers are high contact position and he hits, like he is oh, yeah. a put your head down and, and run into guys as hard as you can type of tackler. So um, yeah, I, I like, look, if I was John Huffman, if I was Dave Dickinson, I understand you just cannot really rely on that guy to play. What is it? 14 games this season. So, um, but there's also a lot of American linebackers out there. Like that's, I, it's this, I guess with Saskatchewan, it's the same sort of thing. Like, look, there are, there are guys who can play that position. And I, I think that you can, you don't want to hide that position, but I do think that if you have a guy like Jameer, if you have the D line and particularly the interior of the stamps, D line is really, really strong with Derek Wigan and Mike Rose. Uh, like, I, I think you can make do until that player is coached up to the point where they're 
a valuable every everyday starter. Yeah, when I, when I saw the Saskatchewan had Larry Dean go down and they sign a guy from the University of Miami, I'm like, that could have been a dude from Iowa or Butte Community College or Mount Union or it's like a middle linebacker is a middle linebacker is a middle linebacker that's an American in the CFL, right? If he's an American guy, if you are 6'2", 6'3", 230 to 245 pounds and you can run and tackle, it's like, Yes, they will say yes. You will come in and you will get an opportunity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. That we'll see where they go with that that middle linebacker spot. But uh, yeah, my, Corey, Corey Greenwood's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, my only theory with the Saskatchewan position is that Toronto has way too many linebackers, and like I'm not one of those people who's all that worried about how Toronto manages its cap. Like yeah. I just think they'll do it. But like they signed Dexter McCoyle. They signed like they're they're. Cam Judge, like they, there's four of them, and there's only two positions. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of them's cut at the end of camp. And Saskatchewan, if they need somebody, could probably find someone pretty decent there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire ones here to get you out, Danny. And the first is Bo mentioned in the preseason media call the idea of being the best point guard that he can possibly be. Uh, he wants to spread the ball around. He wants to be able to see the entire field better than he ever has before. Do we get a better version of Bo this season than we have seen previously because of his surroundings? Possibly. I mean, it's interesting. There's not a Reggie Bangleton as far as I can tell. Like, I think that, like, they basically, in Reggie and Eric Rogers, lost 2,500 yards. They're not going to make those up with one player, right? Like, I I do think it's going to be spreading the ball. I will tell you that, like, they're using their running backs. They're throwing the ball to the running backs a lot during camp, too. So, um, look. Bo was not healthy. That's not, that's not a lie in 2018 and 2019. Like that shoulder was, was a real thing and it it's better. The interesting thing for me with Bo always is I was once in Montreal and a reporter there, Doug Galloway, who was with CBC, who I went to journalism school with what he said about Bo is he was like, he watches every quarterback in the CFL come through and there's no one who, when you need nine yards, gets you nine yards or when you need 12 yards gets you 12 when you need seven he's like Mike Riley might huck the ball 40 yards down but like it is that point guard stuff it's that just understanding what the yards you need are at the timing at the time that you need them and I don't think Bo is going to be diminished at all by this shoulder surgery um you mentioned the o-line and keeping him on his feet I think it's going to be okay yeah I, I think we may I think we have three or four more years of prime 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 Bo and I do think that the pandemic, the timing was really good for his recovery. And while he's basically not throwing the ball, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm seeing a lot of them. They're definitely working the backups <laughs> early in camp, but he does look healthy. He's, he's moving well. I, I think we're going to see a, an amazing Bolu I Mitchell this year. Next one for you. Uh, you mentioned the backup quarterbacks there, Jake Meyer, Michael O'Connor, Dakota Prukop. I don't want to bring out the Jay on right from the old clip of when the Atlanta Thrashers existed. And he said, if they, if they bring the jets to Winnipeg and they don't call them the jets, I will lose it, lose it. Because if Michael O'Connor doesn't win this backup battle, I'm going to lose it. And, and it's not because are you Canadian Homer guy, but it's just that I, I have seen some of the things that you have written about Dakota Prukop and I trust your eye but I'm surprised. Like I, I really, I wish that I was there to see it myself to understand what people are saying about, wow, Dakota Prukop is slinging it around really, really well right now, because I fell in love with Michael O'Connor straight up through the draft process. Like I watched a bunch of his UEC stuff. I watched him throw at the combine. And I just thought to myself, 
this guy is, and I'm not saying ready to start, but I just thought he is so ready to be ready. And he's still ready to be ready. And now he's in Toronto when he's ready, but he's not getting a chance. And he goes to Calgary and Free Agency and he's ready. And it's like, he needs to be in the backup slot in order to have an opportunity to ever make a name for himself in the CFL. And if he can't win that backup spot, I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity. Well, and if you're a Canadian football fan and like on this, maybe I am even a bit of a homer, but like, I want to see what Dave Dickinson does with Michael O'Connor. Like I like Dave Dickinson. There's just players like Ricky Stanzi came into a camp a couple years ago. Like Dave just loves quarterbacks. And like, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that, Ricky Sandy should have actually been the backup to Bo Levi Mitchell that year. Um, or I guess he was third string behind Buckley, but like you could tell Dave just like wanted to work with him. Well, he got, like... he got in though in the 60 to one game. I remember Ricky Stanzi getting in in 60 to one over Hamilton. I was there calling that game. That was, it was so funny when Ricky Stanzi joined the stamps. Cause I just got like, he's a legend. Is it Iowa? Yeah. It's yeah. Iowa. Right. And, like, I just all of a sudden got, like, 600 Twitter followers from Iowa. None of them follow me anymore. Um, <laughs> that was all just Drew up. Tate. That was the Drew Tate, like, drop-off of Iowa QB to Calgary. That's what that was. Seriously. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, honestly, Prukop, and I'm not the greatest talent evaluator. I'm just talking about, like, who's making throws. We had a pretty good practice today, and I will say O'Connor impressed me more today than he has during the rest of camp. But, like, this Jake Meyer kid's pretty good, too. Really? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world if O'Connor were to end up as the third stringer. Um, but I, I will – I totally agree with what you're saying. I think it would be really fun because we know how much Dave loved working with Buckley. We know how much him and Dinwiddie loved working with Arbuckle. Uh, I'd love just to see – in a, in a really, really, in a system that's produced some great QBs, I'd love to see Michael O'Connor get that chance just to develop under that. Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, is Hunchak Sinopoli or just a really lovable Canadian story, just like O'Connor? <laughs> I was wrong on this. I did not think Hunchak <laughs> was like, but like Bo just loves him so much, like <laughs> so much. And uh, like that happens with Bo, like, um, he loved who was it last year whatever it doesn't matter no i i think contracts he's gonna play i think you're gonna have two canadian receivers there i think herji mayala will obviously be one and then i think uh sindani and hundrack are gonna be the others and then honestly this i want to i'm looking at his name so i don't get it wrong this luker luther hakunivanu guy out of york yeah the monster draft, from york yeah when they drafted him Hoffnagel was basically like, yeah, like he's going to go back to college for another year. There's lots he needs to work on. And then he's been killing it at camp. And Dave has been like, if he keeps playing this like this, he's staying. And part of that, and I don't want to get negative at all. I don't even know if I should bring this up. Like part of that may be that Travel Pinto had, is having, um, has, has, has been accused of sexual assault and has retired. So it may have opened up a spot for another Canadian receiver, but he looks great. Wow. Really, man. And it, it's amazing because like I have looked at this group of Canadian receivers. I did the math on it after 2019, Danny, and I saw that they had, I think it was like 52, 53% of uh, the rookie catches across the entire league in 2019. They had 73% of the rookie receiving yards. And obviously Herji was a huge chunk of that, but between, between, yeah, between uh, like all those guys that were first years in, I was, again, that goes back to what you're talking about with Eric Rogers and some of those guys. But I also want to ask you about this. I saw this in an article that you wrote the other day, 
quote, Andreas Salgado really does look like a different player compared to 2019. Bo brought him up in the preseason media call. And when I heard, when I heard Bo bring it up and he's like, man, Salgado has been working his ass off. And I was like, what, why are we, we're bringing up the global. I'm like, what contribution is this guy going to make? And then you've written it in your column. And I went, wait a minute. Are we all out to lunch on this guy? (laughs) I think he's going to, I don't understand how the global stuff works enough in terms of roster spots, <laughs> but I'm like 99% sure he cracks the roster. And like, no, he looks now he came up, he had just played uh, like the Mexican season, which was four months. He played in the championship game and three days later flew to Calgary and four days later was in camp and then did a 19 game. Like he had no chance. He had no chance of playing all the culture shock stuff, all of that is true. He he says he's put on like 16, 17 pounds of muscle, looks yeah. good, is making plays in practice. He stayed in Calgary and just like worked with Hunchak, Mayala, with Bo, with all those guys. And like, just honestly, I'm not saying he's going to have a thousand yards, <laughs> but I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play. Like, I think he's going to make a contribution. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, Danny, I love your perspective on the league. It's always fun catching up with you. The preseason not being around cannot hold down Danny Austin. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's what the one thing I know about the CFL going into 2021, it will not make a difference. No preseason, right? Oh, every team's going to be so sharp. On that first weekend of August. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I like, honestly, I don't care. It can be sloppy. It's just so nice to have it back. Like it's so much fun yeah. having it back. So yeah, it's the no preseason is going to make a difference. And we all know that. And yeah. it's probably not going to be perfect. But um, honestly, by Labor Day, is anyone going to care if there were a lot of bad route runs on yeah. August? <laughs> so. No, as, as long as we get to Labor Day and we're still playing games and we're still having fun, I think a lot of people are going to be very okay with that. But uh, I hope that a lot of people go ahead and read all of your stuff. Make sure you uh, let them know right now, where are the articles? Where can they find you? The Twitter handle, all the rest. I mean, Danny Austin underscore nine is my Twitter. Uh, you know, realistically any stamps video posted by any outlet doesn't matter <laughs> if they're paying me or they're paying their own reporters is normally going to be people answering my questions hey uh, hey pay danny for the uh, for the work that's being done that's being posted everywhere else okay everybody cheese um they don't have to pay me uh, <laughs> i i don't want to i pick so many fights you know me like i'm just trying to not pick a fight on this one but yeah check me out on twitter honestly every, all my other social media is just my personal stuff and you no one needs to follow that so there you go well i mean unless they want what do you, is there dog pictures are there pictures of the beach in the summertime what are we talking here it's normally me trying to present myself as being more athletic than i am uh so a lot of hiking pictures um yeah that's generally generally what my instagram is um yeah, yeah. calgary man, i was gonna say calgary man climbs mountain once takes selfie claims to be athletic yeah that's uh, but you but you know that brand well i'm sure from living out there long enough yeah, it's it's never what I thought I was going to become, but here I am. <laughs> Danny, thank you for the time, man. Have fun, uh, and we'll be sure to catch up with you uh, after the season opener against those damn Argos. Yeah, you bet, man. I can't wait. Talk soon. That'll do it for another week of the A Block here on Canadian Football Perspective. My thanks, as always, to Danny Austin for being part of the show. Fun to talk with him about everything basically outside of Bo Levi Mitchell. I know that we dabbled into Bo there, but there's a lot more layers to the Calgary Stampeders, especially in 2021, than just the star quarterback. And interesting, his projection on Colton Hunchak just honestly saying, I was wrong. 
because I, I'm not sure what he's going to become, but I was wrong about him in the beginning, and he's excited to see where his career goes. We didn't even touch on Herji Mayala or Josh Huff or Marky Vambles or so many of the different names that are going to be at play for the Calgary Stampeders very quickly, and there's a chance that they might be able to reproduce the magic that they had with some of the other names, the Tavares Daniels and the Eric Rogers and the Reggie Begletons and Dewan Briskason and on and on and on. Why? Because that's what Calgary does. And you heard that from Danny as well. He knows that guys step up into roles and he's just learned to trust John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson and their ability to find and cultivate talent and put them into situations that allow them to have success. It's a pretty special organization and they're very lucky to have Danny Austin there day in, day out grinding away and covering the team. Uh, speaking of Colton Hunchak, this week got an interesting feature coming up for you. Connor O'Neill from our All Canadian Podcast is going to have that for you on cfperspective.com. Myself and Derek Taylor with the breakdown on Wednesday. And myself and Kyle Mello, of course, coming up on Friday for you as we wind down another week of the CFL. My guest next week right here on the A Block, none other than Mark Lee. Yes, Mark Lee, play-by-play -play man of the CFL for a long time. Just wrapped up out at the Calgary Stampede. is actually going to join me from over at the Olympics, which will be an interesting discussion for a multitude of reasons. But the idea of getting Mark Lee on, I've always wanted to. I've been friends with him for a couple of years now since we called the Yates Cup together and great admiration for his ability to broadcast not just football, but really anything that's put in front of him. So I hope that you're looking forward to that. For now, have yourselves a great week, and we will catch up throughout the week right here on the Canadian Football Perspective Podcast. <laughs>